covert narcissists seem to have absolutely no emotional intelligence. They have no emotional intelligence inside themselves or with the world around them. The general consensus is that they have no understanding of basic human emotion, especially other people's emotions, but even their own in reality. They continuously stomp all over your feelings and do not seem to show an ounce of care about it. They can talk harshly and callously one minute and be confused as to why you don't want to hold their hand or go to bed with them the very next minute. You know, even when you try to explain it to them, they seem completely incapable of connecting those dots. In fact, just trying to talk with them about it can quickly start you on a never-ending downward spiral of verbal abuse. And again, the next day, it all just disappears. It is as though it never even happened in the first place. It's crazy. And today, I want to explore this further. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I want to apologize real quick for being a little bit late getting this episode out. A couple of days. I try to get it out on Sunday uh, every weekend, but I've had some real internet issues this week, uh, weekend and, and a couple of days now, so I apologize for the delay. All right, let's dive into this episode. Co- covert narcissists see their world through a filter of anger. My own teenage son, he once said to me, Dad has only two states of emotion, anger or zombie. And it's all I ever see on him. Now I realize that zombie is not really a state of emotion, but this is how my teenage son said it to me one day. He said, you know, he was expressing how his dad often looked so angry, demonstrated anger, he talked with anger, he scowled in anger. He just, every interaction you had with him, was full of anger, or he just looked completely checked out, just like a zombie. And I'm going to tell you a couple examples here. I remember being at a Christmas party one time with a group of our church friends, and I was sitting on this couch with some of our other lady friends uh, in this group, and my husband was sitting on the floor in front of me, leaning against the couch. And, you know, this this gift exchange was going on. It was the Dirty Santa gift exchange, and we have a lot of fun doing this. And I remember noticing that my husband wasn't following the conversation. Like, his head wasn't turning in the direction of the various conversations that were going on or the gifts that were being opened or anything. But I just kind of moved on. These are my friends, and I want the time with them. Well, there was one girlfriend of mine who was there, and I had talked with her some about what was going on in my home. So it was on her radar. She knew some of of the situation, and she was sitting across the room from me. And I didn't realize it at the time, but she was actually watching my husband through some of this as well. The activity of the room, like I said, was was a dirty Santa gift exchange, and we do this every year with them. It's a lot of fun. You know, it brings a lot of laughter. These are friends that have been in our lives for many years. And, and these are friends or, or people who, who my husband would call friends. And it, it's a party that he enjoys. But my friend talked with me a few days later after this party. She told me that my husband was staring off into space the entire time as though he wasn't 
even there. She said he looked like a zombie, and in fact, it was kind of creepy. He said, she said, I, I didn't understand, you know, that look in his eyes, and it was just like he was gone. And she said, I've never seen anything like this in my life. I knew exactly what she was talking about. I have seen that look at the evening dinner table. You know, we've had conversations going on, conversations he was involved in. And then the, as the conversation continued, it was like he just left. I've seen it at family Christmas gatherings. I've seen it in church services. I've seen it even while he's sitting in his recliner watching a football game on TV. So I get what she was saying. And this is what my son was describing of the only thing I see is anger or that zombie look. Things that I didn't see in that relationship with my husband was genuine happiness, a healthy pride in his sons. How about peaceful conversations on the patio? I didn't even see remorse or regret when, you know, I mean, everybody goes through some of that and it was never there. Compassion, joy, and so much more. It was just never there. Now, I want to explore this a little bit, and one thing that you have to consider is that we all see the world through our own emotions. I mean, think about it for a minute. If you are a genuinely happy person, or or think about somebody you know in your life who is a genuinely happy person, well, what do they see around them? They see happiness. They see things that, that make them happy. They see people that they feel are happy. They see happiness around them. But if you're an angry person, if that's your character, your nature, then you see anger in the world. You see, you know, well, they're upset about this or they're, you know, they're, they're mad because that happened. But that's because the person who is seeing the other person who they think is angry is an angry person. And so they are seeing anger, whether that anger is there or not. And this is because our own emotions are one of the filters that life events travel through before they go into your mind. You know, events go uh, from what you see in life in front of you, and then they go into perceptions and interpretations inside your own mind. But in order to do this, they have to travel through that, that boundary or that filter that is your emotions. And, and then you interpret them through these emotions before they ever even get stored in your memory. Now, not only that, but then when you talk about them later in life from your memory, they get interpreted again through that filter. So we're going to talk about both of those, the element of it coming in as well as the element of it coming out. And, and everyone does this, including that covert narcissist in your life. This is not something that's specific to covert narcissism. We all have these filters that life, life events go through Uh, on the way into our memory and on the way out of our memory. When you're dealing with a covert narcissist, anger is one of their dominant emotions. And often, in fact, it's the only emotion. This narcissist views their own emotions as fact. They, They view them as completely reliable and it's the only way they know to live. So if they're feeling negative, which we already said anger is their dominant emotion, and so this is most of the time, they will see whatever you are doing as negative. And not only you, but everyone else in life as well. You know, if you offer to wash their car, they'll find a reason not to trust that. It must mean that you want something because you can't do it simply out of kindness. So you either, you know, you must want something or there must be something wrong with the car or, 
They just, they don't see the world through any filter of kindness. They don't know how to relate to the world that way. And in fact, they believe that no one else does either. It's just, it's just where they are. You know, they're so negative and so much anger. And a, and a healthy person has the ability to recognize that maybe they're angry one day, but the next day maybe they're loving, but another day they're happy. They recognize their their emotions as things that they experience in life, not permanent. And, and they realize that this affects their current perceptions of things. It affects their reactions to things. So later when they're not angry, they will no longer see things the same way. They realize that their perception will change that their filter has changed. And now they're seeing reality maybe with a filter of forgiveness, humbleness, compassion, or, or whatever. And this is why a healthy person is capable of coming back and fixing things. A narcissistic person cannot do this because their filter never changes. They will always see things through that filter of anger because that is what they're experiencing. They might put up an image every now and then of kindness or an image of compassion, but it doesn't change their filter because it's an image, a front, not a reality. And then when they come back and revisit things later, they often end up even more mad and more justified in their anger. Because not only do they question your current actions and words, but they question those in the past as well. Remember I said this filter goes both ways. It goes from a life event being stored into their memory, but also then goes from their memory being brought back out uh, in conversation or in their thinking or whatever. So an event from their past that might have been fine at the time, maybe they were in that image at the moment and trying to kind of see things through a kinder life. It might have been fine at the time, but it can become yet another point of trouble in a heartbeat. And I'll give you an example. So one year uh, for our wedding anniversary, my husband took me to this beautiful restaurant. It was amazing. It was an old uh, farm building in the country that had been converted into a restaurant. And it was cool. That's right up my alley and something that I just, I do enjoy. It was gorgeous. I ordered duck, you know, and, and this was fantastic. The food was fantastic. And honestly, the conversation stayed positive. We had at a very enjoyable evening and we desperately needed this. We needed this positive time together. And, and I think he did that because he recognized it was one of those moments where he recognized that I was almost at my breaking point. And so it was him trying to fix things, trying to love bomb. And, and I told him several times how much I enjoyed the evening. I told him how much I liked the food. I told him how much I appreciated that the conversation was, was just good. We had a good evening together. He actually seemed a little lighthearted and happy, which I rarely got, and, and we needed it so much. And so I genuinely thanked him. I, I made sure that evening was a positive evening. Well, a few days later, because we know with covert narcissists this never lasts, we were back in one of those circular conversations yet again. You know, the ones where you find yourself defending everything you've ever done or said. And he was on the attack over everything he could think of. But to my surprise, he told me that I did not even appreciate the dinner that he took me on the other night for our anniversary. And I looked at him and I said, what are you talking about? How could you possibly turn that into a negative is what I'm thinking. I really enjoyed that evening, I said to him. 
And he responded, you didn't like the food. You didn't like the conversation. You didn't like the restaurant. You were just unhappy the whole time. This was a complete shock to me. I had genuinely liked the restaurant and the food. I had thoroughly appreciated that he kept the conversation positive and upbeat. I so badly needed an enjoyable evening with him. And whether I believed it would last or not, I enjoyed that evening because I needed it so badly. And I was realizing then at the time, now a few days later, that he was interpreting this whole evening through his own anger. He didn't show it. But he's sitting here telling me, you didn't like the food, you didn't like the conversation, you didn't like the restaurant, you were just unhappy the whole time. And I realize now that was his filter talking. That is how he was experiencing the evening. And now as he pulls out the memories, he's looking at it through all the anger inside of him. And so that's what he's bringing back out. And when I tried to tell him this, that that I enjoyed the evening, he wouldn't listen. He was perceiving his own memories through that filter of anger that he had put back on once again. And this was the story of our life over and over. You know, the little shaman has uh, some videos out on YouTube and, and one in particular that's about this. And if you haven't seen these videos, please go, go look her up. You know, it's, it is very, very helpful and another really good resource. But in her words, she said, events viewed through the lens of emotion are altered by the narcissist in order to fit that emotion. If they are angry at you, everything you do will be perceived negatively, no matter what it is. Even things you did in the past that were okay at the time are now viewed through this lens and found to be evil. The narcissist's truth changes with their emotions. And I, and I heard those words on the YouTube channel and went, oh my gosh, that is a really good way to put this. This is exactly what I was living. My narcissistic husband was not remembering clearly how the evening had gone. He was only viewing it through his current negative emotions. And, and this was almost a constant state for him. And since right this minute he was angry and upset, then that evening must have been negative too. Everything can turn bad in the blink of an eye leaving you perplexed and confused. Most people realize that feelings are unreliable, unpredictable, and fleeting. And I I mentioned this earlier in this episode. You know, healthy people realize that feelings are, are just a current state and they will change. Our emotions shift around constantly and sometimes rather abruptly. The way we feel often does not make sense, and it's not based on thought or logic, and thus healthy people do not rely fully on their feelings to make decisions. They don't rely fully on their feelings to analyze the state of a relationship. They give themselves space to calm down before having tough conversations, or they walk away from angry situations in order to gain some perspective. But this is not true with narcissists. They rely 100% on their feelings, and those feelings come from a lifetime of internal abuse and negativity. They believe these feelings. They rely on them. And all of these negative emotions cause them to believe that all of the world is against them, including you. They expect to be treated badly, and so they find it in every situation around them. And trying to rationalize this, or trying, I'm sorry, trying to rationally explain things to them, 
It's crazy making. They're not interested in rational thinking. They're not even interested in reality. They are not interested in gaining a healthy perspective. They only care that their feelings have been hurt, that they have been taken advantage of, that they have been belittled or whatever. That's all they care about. And they are convinced it's true because of these two different directions of that anger filter, events coming into their mind and then their memories turning around and coming out. So in essence, due to the enormous amount of internal negativity that they carry, narcissists do not know how to feel loved and cared for. They don't. They don't know how to have a positive connection with someone. It does not matter whether that's you or someone else. They cannot have that kind of connection with anyone. They simply are not capable of it. My son, that same son who told me about the anger and the zombie look, he said to me one time, you know, Mom, when two people are talking to each other, picture that there are imaginary arrows traveling back and forth between these two people. My arrows go to you in conversation and your arrows come to me. And these arrows carry different feelings with them. Some of them cause injury, piercing and hurting that other person. But some of them are more like Cupid's arrows. They cause a reaction of love and understanding and peace. And, and in fact, there's a whole range of arrows in between these two examples. And he said a healthy individual sees these arrows that travel back and forth in a conversation. How my words affect you and your words affect me. But a narcissistic person does not see this. They only see the other person's arrows coming at them. They do not see how their own arrows affect the other person. They only see how the other person's arrows hurt them. Every single arrow causes injury and harm. Every single one is piercing and painful. Every conversation, they feel like they are under attack from these arrows. They do not recognize that some of them are nice and kind and loving. And they also do not realize that their own arrows hurt and sting. So because of this, I go on to say, the one who's in conversation with a covert narcissist feels as though they are constantly defending themselves. Even when you are saying nice things to this covert narcissist, you feel like you're still having to defend yourself. I could say the nicest things to my husband and he could turn it around and make it an insult, make it an injury, make it an arrow that pierced him. In an upcoming episode, I'm going to talk about this overwhelming need to defend yourself. And, and I'm going to talk about the damage that that is doing to you. And I'm going to include suggestions on how to stop this survival skill in its tracks. You know, that, that need to defend yourself, you've built that as a survival skill against this covert narcissist. But this can go on to hurt you in life. I understand the need for it. I really, truly do. I've lived that. It's a survival skill. But you have to learn to put it down. You have to learn to distinguish where you are safe, where the arrows coming at you are loving, where they are caring for you so that you can put down that survival skill of defensiveness and start learning to connect with others and absorb the life that is there in front of you. There is life after narcissism, and it is 
truly amazing. I hope that you continue to join us. Please take some time and mark this podcast. Mark it as a favorite. Listen to it. I appreciate that you listen even to some of the ads because every time you do, it helps to bring in a little bit of of income to our group, the Covert Narcissism Group, so that we can continue to spread the word. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Share the word with others. Let's continue to help our world. I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started.